Are you a car person? If you are, you can probably respect the notion of driving a Porsche and maybe even driving it on the Autobahn where there are famously no speed limits apart from the normal relativistic ones. And hey, talking about speed, Sridhar Mamela has built out a standardized event streaming framework organization-wide at Porsche. He's going to tell us all about it and the results he's gotten with it on today's episode of Streaming Audio, a podcast about Kafka, Confluent, and the cloud. Hello and welcome to another episode of Streaming Audio. I am, as ever, your host, Tim Berglund, and I'm joined in the virtual studio today from across the Atlantic Ocean by Sridhar Mamela. Sridhar is Platform Manager for Data Streaming at Porsche. Sridhar, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, how did you uh, come to work for Porsche? Uh, I mean, I I know that cars are... uh, tremendous generators of streaming data, but I don't know that that's common knowledge. And when people think of fast cars, they don't think of fast data. Uh, so how did you mm-hmm. how did you get into this work? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, honestly, it was a long journey. I was born in Bombay, uh, did most of my education in London, and now I'm living in Stuttgart, which is like the heart of uh, Porsche, where Porsche was born in Stuttgart in Sufenhausen. And uh, I moved to Stuttgart about three and a half years from London. Um, basically, I have a classic IT guy's education with a bachelor's in computers engineering and a master's in big data, both from London at the University of Greenwich, and um, which wasn't long ago. I completed my master's in 2015. And uh, that's why I had this fancy master's with this fancy buzzword attached to it. <laughs> sure, a um, master's in big data. That, that hasn't been around for too long. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and I worked for a few years in London, uh, firstly as an intern at the London Olympics and then for projects for the London Underground. And in all these positions, I did something with big data, as you can imagine back then, with all the hype around big data, everybody wanted to jump onto the big data bandwagon, uh, but with the small data. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Postgres and- is not cool enough. We needed to dupe. <laughs> exactly. We wanted Hadoop, yeah. I don't know. Get, just get me big data. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And then um, I thought, okay, let's do something crazy. Um, let's let's go to a new country uh, where people speak a different language. The culture is different. I've lived in India. I've lived in uh, London. Now let's do something crazy. Uh, I mean, I wanted to do it before I could really settle down in life. So I thought, yeah, okay, why not? Let's go to Germany. I mean, I am a petrol head. I love cars. So let's move to Germany. And uh, yeah, ever since I've been working in the automobile industry, automobile industry, um, firstly, uh, as an external for non-Porsche car manufacturers, I was mainly working as a big data architect, architecting Hadoop architecture, setting up Spark Streaming, Hive, MapReduce. And however, um, I think my interests were always inclined towards streaming. Um, and um, I think it was more inclined towards um, uh, something which was different than the bare metal Spark Streaming. Um, so I came across the Hadoop, uh, sorry, I came across the Apache uh, Kafka ecosystem technology. And that's when in the summer of 2019, I got a chance to join Porsche, and um, since then I'm helping them build the 
next big data or let's say data streaming platform from scratch. And that's what motivated me to make the big switch. I mean, fast cars and fast data, um, the combination was unbeatable. Yes, plus a Greenfield project. So it is not clear to me how one says no to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So tell us about that Greenfield project. I mean, you've got the, you you kind of... um, we're joking about the term big data, I think a little bit. And, uh, you know, when you say you have a master's in big data from 2015, people in industry, I'll say, you know, in contrast to the academy, we're still kind of saying big data, non-ironically in 2015, but it's still impressive for the academy to have cottoned onto that by then. Cause they normally with respect to computer science, things at least go a little slower. Um, but you know, you, you ticked off all of those usual suspects from the early and mid 2000s. You were involved in those and said you kind of were inclined towards streaming. You saw something. So what is it that you're building at Porsche? What is this Greenfield project? Mm-hmm. So I'm um, a platform manager at Porsche and I'm responsible for building a robust, a fault tolerant and stable data streaming platform. I'm solely responsible for all the internal data streaming um, platform activities. And we just built a platform and we call it Streamzilla. And uh, Streamzilla is based on the open source Apache Kafka. And we use the Confluent Community Edition. So firstly, thank you Confluent for open sourcing a much refined version of Apache Kafka. <laughs> it's, um, we, we aim to please. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and uh, shortly after the development of Streamzilla started, it became quite apparent that the teams needed an extended hybrid solution. And the goal right now at this very moment is to extend the platform which was built in-house on the basis of Apache Kafka. Um, yeah, and along with working on Streamzilla, uh, the central data streaming platform for Porsche, um, I'm also responsible for the data streaming strategy at Porsche, which is kind of new. Um, uh, this is... This is to be the stepping stone to Porsche's path to the cloud and our cloud-first strategy. So the so basically the end goal is that all product teams worldwide are to be offered a one-stop shop for streaming services, replacing the existing um, infrastructure construct of many different applications with this uh, single central solution. And uh, what when you came to Porsche, what were... Uh, what sort of legacy environment did you see? You're replacing many point solutions with one thing. So what what kind of things were there? I mean, we, as I started at Porsche, we did have Kafka in place, but we had about four or five different instances of Kafka running around. Uh, I mean, Kafka is pretty easy to set up, but I guess the pain points do and the bottlenecks do come up later in stage when people are in production and with all the upgrades and especially when you're working with open source technologies, um, you need to maintain a lot of source code. You need to uh, take care of a lot of security uh, issues by us uh, internally. Um, And that's something that the product teams don't really want to do in the long run. And then that's how the idea developed to have... um, to, to have a central platform. And yeah, I would say that was almost like the stage one. So um, I would say we started, uh, we, we, our goal was to move to early production use cases. So we kind of started small, think big and acted fast. So basically um, 
Our main goal was to enable the tech teams with increased agility and flexibility um, with a so-called streaming platform or say a stable streaming platform. And um, I guess this is um, when many business teams saw benefit in wider business use cases, such as improved customer experience, reduced costs, and they quickly got a technology uh, technological advantage um, wherein they didn't have to um, yeah, take care of the, uh, let's say maintain the technology once it's been implemented. Um, yeah, so basically for a customer, for Streamzilla team is an internal project team uh, with a data streaming use case or a pain point or a bottleneck. And yeah, that's how we started with the first um, pilot projects. What are the sources of streaming data in a car company like Porsche? Because I, I have to uh, confess, I can think of two things like manufacturing. There's there's the mm-hmm. the somewhat traditional IoT because you you build things out of metal and there are devices that that might throw off data that you want to understand, and then connected cars. Am I on to it or what? What where does data come from? Um, yes, you you are right. I mean, uh, nowadays everything's connected. Um, we have uh, we're in the industry for four point revolution, wherein all the machines are connected. We have predictive maintenance. All the data uh, is being produced. It has to be uh, transported to a different medium or a storage to be analyzed and get real time analysis back. And the amount of things that we could do with this data um, with respect to predictive maintenance or customer experience. But also at the same time, um, we also have use cases uh, with regards to Kafka, for example, with uh, a workshop. For example, a customer has a car somewhere in Australia and he goes to a workshop and all that data from his car or his warranty and guarantee data is transferred over from Kafka or using Kafka from a service in, in Zuffenhausen here in Germany onto Australia or maybe into America. And mm-hmm. so these are just oh, some okay. of the use cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even at point of service for authorized Porsche uh, repair centers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very interesting. I'm a Toyota household, right? I'm not a car guy. <laughs> I drive a pickup and my wife has a RAV4. Very ordinary consumer level cars that, you know, clearly someone who's not trying to impress anyone with this vehicle um, is that typical of a modern car? Yes and no. I mean, nowadays, especially with the electric car, um, I guess the possibilities are more to include more sensors onto the car, and especially everybody wants to have more uh, more out of the car. They, the customer nowadays just don't want to drive their cars, but they also want to know what's happening in their car. And uh, with the with the current generation where people are. Um, on their smartphones the entire time there we are in this app revolution wherein you could get all the information uh no matter where you're in the world for example you are in sitting you're on a business trip in china and your car's parked in uh, palo alto in california you can still log into your app and check your car's tire pressure i mean that's ridiculously awesome and i guess we're getting into this generation or say this uh, revolution sorry and um that's where we are getting to the phase wherein sensors are always going to be increasing. That's fascinating. That that does mean uh, a lot more Kafka topics and a lot more partitions, a lot more Kafka partitions kind of globally in the world probably. So I guess that's a good thing if 
you love Kafka. And it's it's fu- I'm funny. I'm just kind of thinking about this because um, the the extreme end of connectedness and app integration, like a you know, I've I've they got a friend who drives a Tesla, that that sort of thing, where it 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 just feels like an extension of the app. Uh, and my guess is that's kind of where you're going to. As a pickup truck driver, just as an aside, as a pickup truck driver, it turns out that tech like this comes slower into those. I drive a 2018, right? So it's a pretty late model pickup and other kinds of you know sedans in that same model year had features and integrations and and reporting that pickups don't. So I guess that's the trade-off you make. You get all this utility and four-wheel drive and a big bed. You can haul things in, but you don't get to check your tire pressure remotely. And I have to say, Sridhar, right now I'm a little sad that you've said that. I kind of want to be able to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, with the information. Like, am I going to make any it's decisions? Good to have, <laughs> it's always good How to cool have. How cool is that? <laughs> exactly. You have mentioned uh, Streamzilla. Now this is, I assume, the unified streaming platform. You came in and you saw lots of small things being built, which, by the way, on the on the cusp or you know, as a technology wave is beginning to break, that's what happens. You get people who are technology leaders, whether they have a leadership position in the formal organizational hierarchy or not, but they're like, oh, hey, streaming is a thing. And maybe they saw it in 2016 or something like that because they're just super prescient and forward-looking. You know those people. Uh, and so you get those little teams in a large company building systems like that, deploying their own stuff, getting it done, advocating for technology change in their part of the organization. And before there is appropriate consolidation around standard solutions in that new space, you get lots of weird stuff. Um, like, I, I don't know what it was like. I was I was in high school in the late 80s, so I don't know what it would have been like to deploy a project on a relational database then. You know, that was that was the equivalent. And so it was probably that same sort of messiness and then in the early 90s, you'd be like, well, okay, let's all make this Oracle. So you saw that diversity, which is you probably coming in, you're like, oh, this is a disaster. I need to fix it. From where I sit, I see that as a sign of an innovative technology organization that drives decision-making down to the lowest level possible. And there's all kinds of good about that, but clearly you need to get it reined in and that's your job. So tell us about Streamzilla. Tell us the story. Like, how did that start? You've kind of hinted at it, but walk us through it. So, um, yeah, we started off um, uh, with the existing Kafka users. We had around three or four Kafka product teams, uh, which were live in production, but with their own uh, own little services. And we uh-huh. got together with them, and then we had to sit down. We... Uh, we had to basically understand what their requirements are, what their pain points are, what the, are the bottlenecks that they're facing, and basically trying to keep the startup mindset. We had to um, understand the customer firstly, uh, try to build a service, and um, keeping in at the same time keeping in mind the uh, user experience. We bought some professional services from Confluent. We arranged a lot of trainings. The first step was to train and educate uh, customers or product teams and also us internally 
and trying to understand what we want to set up. And um, I guess the next stage was trying to uh, free up data which was stuck in legacy systems or external data stores and trying to say brainstorm and trying to understand new streams of data uh, which were previously not possible to process with legacy systems. And well, I'm talking a lot about legacy systems here, but here one needs to understand that as a very traditional luxury car manufacturer, we focus a lot on quality. And um, there's a saying, there's a German saying that says never change a working system. So that was one of the uh, main um, pain points, uh, trying to um, get people on board uh, with a new system that's being built when something's already working stable. And yeah, and we worked a lot with open source uh, technologies. Firstly, we started with open source on-prem Kafka clusters uh, in the pilot project. And we had also set ourselves a goal of publishing all our source code as well. This is, uh, Streamzilla, is is that available as an open source project? Uh, no, uh, we do believe uh, in the fact that when open source flows in, open source must flow out. So um, obviously, I don't think it would be possible to open source the entire Streamzilla solution, but we do have a few open source components that we would want to open source or say make available in the open source market but um we are uh, right now in the process of getting the required uh, required um what do you call it the required uh goals for the internal porsche open yeah, source approvals and, uh, and approvals exactly thank you i think what um, you're telling get, what you're telling this american is that there are there are lawyers in germany also <laughs> exactly and um the german yes. company even more Go on. I, sorry, I have some more questions about Streamzilla, but I'll, I'll let you finish. No, that's it. Uh, I guess once we have all these approvals, the idea is to release a part of the code on to GitHub and yeah, contribute something to the open source community at Porsche. Wonderful. So, if um, um, part of part of what's really useful about this kind of conversation is that uh, what you're doing with Streamzilla, and I I keep I keep this is. Tridar, I keep wanting to say FileZilla, and <laughs> if I do, I'm I'm going to give instructions for it not to be edited out because I think everybody should just hear that mistake. It's it's come so close to happening so many times. I just want to hang a lantern on it and say this is just a thing, and I might do it anyway. Uh, Streamzilla, when you're, you're you're building a thing like Streamzilla, and what's useful about one of the things that's useful about this kind of conversation is that other organizations of your size and larger do this kind of thing. It's it's not unusual to to try to create standards around how event streaming is going to work. Uh, and I don't know if this is a thing you know or can tell me. Those are separate questions. But how how many developers would be at Porsche using a system like this? I mean, it varies a lot. I mean, we started off pretty small with about just three product teams who for whom we built a centralized um, streaming solution. And as of now, uh, I guess we have about 20 product teams who are almost productive live. And we're looking at extending and going global with the solution to the Porsche subsidiaries all across the world and also uh, Porsche China and Porsche America. And um, I guess the user base is increasing uh, day in and day out. Uh, we do so have... You 
mm-hmm. you could get to a point where you had a thousand developers easily enough. A right? thousand would be too too many, I guess, for a company like Porsche, which is not an IT company. Uh, but I would say definitely thousand people that have something to do with Kafka. They don't work directly with Kafka, but definitely uh, are relying on the system Kafka to work so that they could do their job or do their analytics or big data. Yeah. So, but this is consistent with what I see. What I see is when you get into the 10 to the two, 10 to the three kinds of developer counts, hundreds or small thousands, whatever, wherever that you are there, uh, it starts to become valuable to provide the, the, the Porsche version of Mm -hmm. Kafka. Um, And so tell us, from an API perspective, like I'm a developer working on a product team and suppose I know Kafka, maybe I'm particularly forward looking and I'm one of the people who built some early stuff uh, or I've just kind of hacked on my own or previous job, whatever. I know Kafka APIs and basic semantics. Uh, you are, you're providing, Streamzilla is a number of things, but I'm guessing at least a wrapper, right? There's, there's now an API that a Porsche developer sees. What does that look like? What kind of abstractions have you chosen to provide and and what are you what are you trying to hide what decisions does streamzilla want to make um, how did you work through those trade-offs i mean starting off we had pretty uh, clear set goals on what we wanted to achieve and what we wanted to provide as a service these teams so this the first three or four teams that with whom we started off they they had product production level kafka and they were already in production and they knew what they wanted. So basically we had to deliver what they wanted. Um, and they had different use cases running across the globe with regards to warranty, guarantee, um, worldwide support and um, the online online portal for Porsche, um, for Porsche owners. And um, basically, it was trying to fulfill these needs that they had. And secondly, um, trying to show them what else could be done. Because basically, when these teams, product teams, started off with Kafka, it was just to solve one single problem, say one single problem from that project's perspective. So one of the trade-offs was trying to uh, educate these teams again, uh, or say trying to show them the opportunities that they could, how they could use Kafka differently or in some different use cases. And uh, that also meant uh, trying to include them in the development right from the start, rather than building a product or a service and just pushing it onto the people, telling them, hey, this is what you have to use, but trying to build it together with them and trying to build a useful product that they could use. Uh, Let it be with a control over their own topics or having uh, topic level controls, uh, sorry, topic level ownerships or um, defining your own ACLs and your own certificates. And we have a lot of security, which we need to take care of as a German car company. Um, and um, everybody has a really high um, importance on, on such issues. And that's, yeah how it started due to consumer consumer protection regulation and privacy privacy laws uh Mm -hmm. a lot of work you have to do there so you there's a certain amount of that security stuff that you want to make a standard part of what you present to 
uh, product teams, but it sounded like you said you also let those abstractions leak. Like you could, you would give control to the product team to, to be able to see levels or see details as fine as Kafka ACLs. Is that, did I hear you right? Uh, yes. Um, and no, <laughs> um, as in whole, the entire Streamzilla solution has the security clearance from the Porsche's security team. And we did have a very intense penetration testing and uh, all sorts of security clearance documents that we had to fill out and get all the um, high level clearances that we needed for this platform to function. So that defines, so that, yeah, that defines, I'll say that, yeah, that defines Streamzilla as a security, I'll say a, com a platform that is, how do you call it in English? I mean, I speak a lot of German these days. Uh, in German, <laughs> it's called a Freigegeben, a system. Of a, uh, it's weird. Um, a system that's been um, that's been given free. Eh? Production? Um, a system that's that's been released, that's been published? Um, no, a system that, that has... No, sorry, exactly. A system that's that has a security clearance at Porsche's level and at Porsche standards. So gotcha. uh, once a system had these uh, clearances, they could go ahead and operate um, with production data. That is a must for every system. And once we have this, then it is um, then based on the guidelines that we have defined in our security documents, we could go ahead and give the teams um, the functionalities that they requested for or that we have uh, promised in our security documents. Tell us about day two of Streamzilla. So, you know, you gather requirements, you build a thing, you have made the point that you have to deliver parity, feature parity to existing teams. We'll mm -hmm. go back to the German phrase that says, don't, don't replace a working system. You know, you, you can't mm -hmm. give them less than what they have because free people won't do that. Um, so there you go. You, you build it, you deliver that parity. And it's running. And day two, what's what's it like? How how is it in production? The first little bit. I mean, um, yeah. And in the start, we did have. And I would say, in 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 the start, in the first couple of weeks, we did have a couple of hiccups um, with regards to production data. I mean, some brokers were down, or, or we were still uh, fine tuning our monitoring systems, and um, bits and bobs like that. But I guess, as a whole, now being live for about year and a half it's it's running pretty stable um and there's not much that we need to tinker with uh, kafka in itself is pretty fault tolerant um but for us i would say day two um looks different rather than trying to maintain uh, what's already running rather trying to improve what's already running and that's where the company-wide strategy comes in place that's Porsche's, uh, that's carving Porsche's path into the cloud. Um, we have a cloud-first strategy at Porsche now, uh, which means connecting the internal data streaming platform to the cloud, hand-in-hand um, -hand with Porsche's um, so-called first cloud-first strategy. And um, this aims to bring all services and infrastructures into the cloud within the next five to 10 years. And this means a paradigm shift for us as a technically, or as a traditionally established company whose main focus over the past 
uh, years was not IT, but was on producing great sports sports cars. And um, and we always try to convey the same message um, to every user who's, who's driving a car. I mean, also if there's IT running in the background, he should not be affected with the IT. I mean, there are tons of people in this world who still love to listen to the engine sound when they drive a 911 or a 718 Boxster. And that's that's the feeling that we don't want to take away from from these people, and that's that's where we need to keep in mind that yes, we are looking into the cloud. We're looking into more software. Um, when software is playing a major role, yeah. Uh, as this is this kind of gets us back to the the old Mark Andreessen saw about software eating the world, and the the uh, the Jay Kreps strong form of software eating the world. I'll, I'll link to a blog post in the show, the show notes if you want to read more about those, but it's true, right? It, it is. It, the phrase is a cliche, but like most cliches, there's a significant amount of truth in it. And Porsche finds itself becoming kind of a software company a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe not so little, uh, but your cloud migration is interesting because we talked a little bit, I mean, you're, you're a German company. And so that's home base, but you're also a global company. Um, I, I don't know how many Porsche entities there are and in how many countries you formally operate and uh, to whose laws you must comply, but it's a big number. And that's, that's, that's legally complex. And so moving to the cloud sounds like uh, there will be interesting data sovereignty rules and how does that work? <laughs> so you you want to be a hundred percent in the cloud. Will there be a hybrid thing? Are there? Do you just have to have cloud providers with regions in certain countries? Can can you? Do you have any insight into that? Well, um, it's a team. It, it's a topic that changes every day. Um, every country has their own guidelines. For example, China is a very hot topic these days. Um, at the same with America. I mean, uh, in the past. Okay, just just some numbers. I mean, in 2019, Porsche sold about 280,000 cars, and we put about 5,000 Porsche Taycans on the road in China, America, and Europe. And 80% of those cars were in China and in America. And we're looking when we're looking at um, going into the cloud as a company-wide strategy, then we need to take things into account that the service level agreements that we have or the services that we're offering need to function exactly the same irrespective of it being in America or in the China or in in in, in Europe for example and that that is a tricky um, question or a tricky not tricky question tricky problem to solve quite so uh, mm-hmm. quite so and it is to some degree, um, like like you said, the application functionality needs to be the same. Exactly. And people don't people don't normally drive their car from from Germany to the or from China to the United States. That would be a little weird. You know, you'd have to get a boat involved at some point. Um, although with higher end cars like like Porsche, maybe that happens more than it does, say, Toyota Tacomas. But um, definitely possible to drive a car from say Ireland. To Germany through a number of other jurisdictions with completely different data privacy and data sovereignty 
regulations. And so as you guys build that out, um, and I know it, it's not if it's not done yet, and uh, those aren't all answers that you've got right now. But uh, it occurs to me that that's going to be super interesting and mm-hmm. dealing with that legal mess. You're gonna you're gonna spend time on the phone with those lawyers, and I think you should make friends with them, and <laughs> you should treat them nicely. And uh, those are those are big problems to solve. Tell me about Tycon. What's what's Tycon? Well, a lot of people firstly ask me, um, what does the name Taikan mean? Do you know, Tim, what does the Taikan mean? I, I don't, and I, I don't want to Google it. I feel like it would be dishonest. I just I feel like I just need to say I don't <laughs> now know. Now I can hear you type. <laughs> the nice thing is, this is an interview, and I'm asking the questions. So what does Taikan I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to put it that way? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taikan... Um, it's the new Porsche electric car, um, and um, it's a name that fulfills. Apparently, it's a name that fulfills every phonetic, legal, creative, strategic, and model-specific requirement. It's basically composed of two terms, and I guess these, if I'm not mistaken, it, these two terms have a Turkic origin. Or origin, ah. and I guess the word can be roughly translated as "soul of a young, spirited horse." Okay. And that's exactly what Porsche is. Lively, impetuous, vigorous, light-footed on long stretches without tiring, and yes, obviously, free, free-spirited. free Okay. And this is an electric car? It is an electric car, and um, um, the, the advertising slogan um, is soul electrified. And I guess... For for me as a as a petrol head, I guess it fits perfectly with the source and the future of the brand uh, brand, which is the horse on the Porsche crest, uh, the expression of its soul and the way it's going into a new era of the sports car. Yeah, well, folks, I did just Google Tycon after Shridhar told me what it meant, and the good news is I can put a link in the show notes to what one of those looks like. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you'll uh, you'll get. I mean, you Google it yourself. It's T A Y C A, and but um, it's a nice looking car. I wouldn't. I don't feel like I'm not a, a, as you say a petrol head. That's I've never been a, a car guy. I don't feel like I'd be mad though. I don't feel like driving one of those as a rather beautiful looking performance vehicle. I don't feel like that would just make my life get worse somehow. And I can also say for a fact, Mrs. Berglund would not mind me driving one of those. It so, only gets you know, that's the thing to think about. It really, uh, the, the, it's, I'm looking for the downsides and uh, they're not in evidence. So yeah, that's a nice looking vehicle. Uh, anyway, <laughs> off, off of cars. Um, well, it could do 180 miles per hour. So, Oh, okay. I would do that. I might get in trouble here in these United States, but um, <laughs> that, that sounds like something worth exploring. How about from an operational perspective? Uh, I meant to get to that. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of talked about APIs and the developer-facing aspects of Streamzilla, but uh, what did you learn uh, operating this? Or what have you learned so far? Mm-hmm. Say uh, there are two sides to this learning curve or learning um, coin, I would say, as I would put it. I mean, one is the DevOps perspective and the other would be the business perspective. And I would say from a DevOps perspective, the central learning of the transition process has definitely been that it's simple. You just need to talk to people and just need to ask them what they need. 
I mean, often no one outside the team knows in detail what they need to work on to do their best. And that's that's in every relationship. I mean, uh, also when you speak to your spouse, you just need to communicate. And that's, that's, that's just the key to success. And the second learning would be, however, it's just as important to remain in constant exchange and not to leave the teams alone when you have a finished product. So always trying to be with the teams, trying to build on top whilst keeping them involved with your product. And for that, for us, it means um, absolute added value. Um, we built a platform in such a way that every requirement has been considered or at least looked into or is or is on the pipeline or in the pipeline. And um, I would say the second learning would be um, from a business perspective. I mean, the switch to Streamzilla um, was not only relevant for the uh, DevOps guys, but also had a significant positive effect on the business area. For example, a lot of ideas are always generated here in the business area when we just talk to people and that and these ideas obviously are from the business perspective need to be implemented quickly and need to be always implemented now because to, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks to the Central Kafka Data Exchange Platform, uh, the teams know that they have precisely one contact person for all their concerns who is um, always available for them uh, if they want to talk, if they want to discuss the use cases. And um, and this is where we could, this is how we could implement ideas and use cases pretty quickly. This, this knowledge uh, from the central platform stays at one place rather than being diverged into small teams. And if there's a person switch from one team to another team, or if there's a person who has a switch into a different company, I mean, we all we want to avoid is the the brain brain loss that we have a brain dump, not brain dump, brain loss, right? Brain yeah. drain, brain yeah. drain. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and and that's that's the main advantage for the use cases, I would say, from the business perspective, to uh, to to speak to the people where all the expertise lies and one contact person. Yeah, and when you get really a, a, an organization that executes on a very mature adoption of event streaming, right? They, they really drive it to an organization wide sort of thing. Uh, we've got, there's been previous podcast episodes on what we call our uh, streaming maturity model. And this is level five where, you know, the business is an event driven business and all of the IT stack in the business is more or less event driven. So when, when you start to get towards that, you do find, like you just said, again, and this is this feels like a, a you know, a event streaming evangelist talking point, but you actually see where data that would have been in a silo in somebody's database in some department that nobody else gets to see, when you've got a Streamzilla kind of system, uh, that data becomes more accessible to other parts of the organization. You still got governance, and you know we talked for a while about about the complexities of that sort of thing as a global business. Uh, that doesn't go away. But the, the nature of the technology is to make the data available. And so there's, there's value the business gets to unlock that would have been hard to realize otherwise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. How about this, this? We're recording this. Um, this is late August 2020. So we're, uh, I like to say, in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, as far as I know, we could still be in the beginning. I, I, mm -hmm. I think we're in the middle. I think maybe we're. 
At least oh, like leave you in the middle. Uh, towards the end of the middle. I, I, <laughs> let's be careful with that. But I'd like to believe it's the middle because mm-hmm. that means there's an end and it's not too long from now. But uh, it's been typical for me to be a person who travels a lot. And I've actually never been to Stuttgart, which I view as a, a personal failure. But when life gets back to something approximating the way life was before, however, we do things differently and and, and circumstances have evolved, uh, I would love to be able to visit. And uh, I don't know if, if you know you have test cars that are available for demos or anything like that. I hate to put you on the spot like this, but I mean, that seems like that would just be agreeable to me. I don't, again, I don't think like my, my life would be worse if I got to drive one of these things like a, a Taycan or something. Well, we could definitely get, get you, get you into one of the cool cars. I mean, um, no promises, but yeah, I mean, uh, we could, we could set you up with something, um, when you come down here and then we could, we could go for a spin on the autobahn and you could probably do a, you know, that we don't have speed limits here on uh, some stretches oh. on the autobahn. Oh, I, I know. Hmm? And you could probably I've experienced that. In fact, I was with my, my colleague Kai Vayner, uh, uh-huh. a few years ago and it, it, let's just say it, the vehicle was not a Porsche. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we were going kind of fast by American standards, but he had it floored and it was, I don't know, like 120, 130 in, in miles an hour. So mm-hmm. anyway, and folks, just so you know, that was that Sridhar and I did talk about that question. I did not just do the tackiest thing in the world and put him on the spot in a podcast asking me to get him, me in, asking him to get me in a car. Yes, that's the thing we want to do. And I would love to be able to visit you guys and talk to you about whatever is current whenever I can get there. Yep. Let's do that. My guest today has been Sridhar Mamela. Sridhar, thanks for being a part of Streaming Audio. Thanks, Tim, for having me. Hey, you know what you get for listening to the end? Some free Confluent Cloud. Use the promo code 60PDCAST, that's 60PDCAST, to get an additional $60 of free Confluent Cloud usage. Be sure to activate it by December 31st, 2021, and use it within 90 days after activation. And any unused promo value on the expiration date will be forfeit, and there are a limited number of codes available, so don't miss out. Anyway, as always, I hope this podcast was helpful to you. If you want to discuss it or ask a question, you can always reach out to me at TLBerglund on Twitter. That's T-L-B-E-R-G-L-U-N-D. Or you can leave a comment on a YouTube video or reach out in our community Slack. There's a Slack sign-up link in the show notes if you'd like to join. And while you're at it, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and to this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you subscribe through Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review there. That helps other people discover us, which we think is a good thing. So thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time.